Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. How many of you are familiar with the color-coded biblical calendar that I've shared a few times with you to get? Just a little reminder as we celebrate the Lord and his, his ways and his, his doing. The book of Leviticus is broken up into two parts. It's real simple, everybody. Chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So when you find the feast days in chapter 23, what are you doing? You're walking with God. See, so many times we want to have our way and do our own thing and come up with our own day planner. But God has a day planner. We worship him when he tells us to worship him. And we line up our lives with that. And how many of you know that this is a church that practices the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith? Amen? That's, that's our little motto. We, we, we practice the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. So you have Hebrew roots, you have Christian faith, and you combine that. How many of you know that's a little different than what you're seeing today in most churches? Would you say that we're just a little different? Th- that much. Okay, maybe this much. But here's the thing. It's not about who's right and who's wrong or who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. What it's about is how you want to practice your faith. Amen? We're not here to prove anybody wrong and all these other things. We're here to practice our faith. So right now, we believe in Shabbat that Friday night we were together as families and we had a meal and we did things. And then we took that anointing and we came in here corporately to celebrate Shabbat. How many know what I'm talking about on a Saturday? So we're celebrating Shabbat because we're practicing our faith. And with that comes a calendar and just a little reminder that on July 8th in the evening, it was Tammuz 17 in the evening, you'll hear of the fast of Tammuz, or it's, it's, it's the memorial of the golden calf incident in Exodus 32. And if you take three weeks, because it's called the three weeks of affliction, if you take Tammuz 17 and go all the way to the ninth of Av, which is the destruction of both temples, we have this time period called among the Jewish people, three weeks of affliction. So... We are in that time period as a memorial, not to have a beat down or to be depressed or negative, but to actually prepare ourselves and our hearts for what God is doing in the earth. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So there's got to be a contrast. You know, it's interesting that when people demand, you know, a call to social justice, it's okay to riot and cause harm because we want justice doesn't make any sense, does it? What we're seeing in the earth today, everybody, is a manifestation of Satan and his hosts 
you are literally seeing Satan throwing a temper tantrum. And if you don't, and if you if you're in his way, he'll take you out too. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? All of us need to be at the right place at the right time. We all have to be at the right place at the right time. Did everybody get an outline, an overview of the book of Numbers? So when you leave today and you see family or friends or you have a conversation with somebody that doesn't go here or whatever, or they're asking you some questions, you're going to be able to tell them, I went to church today and Pastor Nick shared on the whole book of Numbers. And some of you are like, oh, oy, oy vey, oh, no. These are the times we're living in. So I've had the opportunity to have uh, the Torah portion since 1999, thanks to Simcott Torah, Bateman, Rosh, and Rabbi Messer. And I've been in the, in the Torah since 1999. So how many of you know if somebody has been in something or done something for 20 years, how many of you know that they might have something to offer you? Maybe. Can you imagine like a person cutting my hair? I, I like to tell this story, you know. Um, I go and I say, so how long have you been cutting hair? And she's like, you're my first one. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. I've been doing this for 10 years. Oh, you're done. What? So we are so distracted. And what the Lord has been really sharing with me, and it's all part of the book of Numbers as well, is that in our own little way, we've all been beguiled. We've all been tricked. We've all been deceived. In some form or fashion, you're going to find this out through the Holy Spirit or through the Word. But this is an overview of the book of Numbers. And like I said, you should have an overview of the book of Numbers sheet here. This is a really good thing to have because I believe prophetically we are truly in the book of Numbers. can break it down a lot for you later, but I want to just get right into this book, break it down for you, and go over it. And I need at least, I'm going to jump the numbers up. I need five people to be excited. Thank you, Tom. You, you, I love you, man. You just, you got the memo. I'm telling you, and, and, you know, have you ever had just like God just imprint something on you or it's like a neon sign or it just jumps on you and you're like, man, I can't shake this. So, so I want to share the book of Numbers with you because I think it's life-changing. And we should be discussing it and talking about it and encouraging one another. More than anything, encourage one another. Don't have friendly fire. Encourage one another. Help one another. So let's get right into the, uh, the book of Numbers. And, you know, it's interesting. If you have the five books, you have Genesis, which is like the, the creation story. You have creation. You have the, the human races created, kicked out of the garden. You have this genealogy. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have all these incredible things. Then, boom, we go right into Exodus. Now, all of a sudden, we're in Egypt for so many years. And then, of course, you see the great Exodus and God calls them out to bring them in, you know. And, of course, that's the book of Exodus. And he gives them the pattern to build this uh, tabernacle of Moses and everything. And so then what happens? Then we go into the book of Leviticus, which is the meat of Torah. How many of you know that the book of Leviticus is my favorite book in the Bible? It is my favorite book. I know you're like, he's not right. But how would you like to go through Wendy's and you ordered a cheeseburger and the meat wasn't there? That, my special people, <laughs> is the book of Leviticus. You would never just say, hey, I'm good. No, you wouldn't. Especially if you act for a double cheeseburger, double Leviticus. So Leviticus is in the middle of the Torah. And, of course, we have go into the book of Numbers. The Numbers is an incredible story is that we didn't learn anything from Leviticus. Is that you? And so we see... Uh, the great failures and things that have happened 
in that regard. And as examples to us, I'm going to share this with all of you. And then, of course, we have the book of Remembrance, Deuteronomy, to close it out, which would be the last words of a dying man, which are going to be very, very profound and important. So let's jump right into the book of Numbers here. What is the purpose of the book of Numbers? It's to tell the story of how Israel prepared to enter the promised land, how they sinned and were punished, and how they prepared to try again, okay? And that is the purpose, how they sinned and were punished, and how they prepared to try again. How many of you know that God is the God of second chances? Thank God for that, amen? Uh, Let's look at the... uh, some more information in regards to this book. The author was Moses, the audience, the people of Israel. Date written around 1450 to 1410 BC. And what was the setting for this particular story? Well, the vast desert of the Sinai region, as well as lands just south and east of Canaan. Okay, so now we have the vast desert, you know. Uh, Let's move on now. So the first Torah portion in the book of Numbers uh, is called Bamidabar, which is in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 4 in verse 20. So Bamidabar means in the wilderness, okay? Now, what does Midbar mean? It's a pasture, an open field, a desert. You know, I was hoping that could be like dessert. But I got like sand in my teeth. Uh, it's desert, <laughs> And the word wilderness is found 305 times. 305 times we find the word wilderness. Uh, Let's look at some examples of the wilderness. Just a few examples here. In Matthew chapter 3 in verse 1, Matthew 3, 1, John the Baptist. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the sanctuary with a bunch of purple chairs. No, he was in the wilderness of Judea. You know, it's so interesting. You know, how far will you go to get a message from God? Amen. Do you guys remember, if you're Assembly of God, there's a few people here from the Assembly of God. You know when you had camp meetings and guest speakers, buddy, you know somebody was bringing it. That guest speaker was locked and loaded, and you're like, oh, and and it was so good that you went to eat and you came back for the next service. Come on. What's happened to us? Why can't we be hungry for God? You know, and so we're in the book of Numbers prophetically, but here we have John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. In Matthew 4, 1, we just go one, one chapter over. It says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Wow. Now Yeshua's going to go into the wilderness, and, and I've heard people tell me, Pastor Nick, I'm in the wilderness. And I'm like, get out. Get out now. Because you're not supposed to camp out there. You know, there's 42 encampments, and Beit Tehillah has been to eight. Thank you, Jesus. This is our eighth spot from the living room. Thank God we're not doing 42. So here we are. So the wilderness is a place of empowerment. And, of course, in, in uh, Revelation 12, 14, we're going to keep on going line. There's one here with uh, John 11:54. A city called Ephraim actually uh, is a city in the wilderness Um, that Yeshua went to, but Revelation 12, 14, this is kind of interesting, just can't get out of the wilderness, can we? And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness 
into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. By the way, people say these are the Jews running for their lives to Petra. But the bottom line is, remember this, though, when you read Revelation 12, the Jews are provided for and they're protected. That's what we want in the times in which we live. We want provision and we want protection. Amen? Now, we can see that in this particular reference. Revelation 17, 3, now, who else is in the wilderness? The whore is in the wilderness. She's out there too, just like Baal Peor. But look at this, Revelation 17, 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Wow, do you see where the, the, the woman's in the wilderness? Because we know we had a plague that hit the people. 24,000 people died of the plague of Baal Peor, of sexual immorality and adultery. Hosea 2.14 my last little reference here, just to get you thinking. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. In the Hebrew, it actually means to speak friendly to her heart. So the place of empowerment is the wilderness, and God wants to speak tenderly to your heart. It actually says to her heart. Amen. You're getting to the heart of the matter. Because he goes on to say that he's going to betroth her. Says the word betrothed three times in Hosea 2, 19 and 20. See, right now we're betrothed to Jesus, to Yeshua. We're betrothed to him, awaiting the consummation. Amen. We're awaiting the great, great marriage supper of the Lamb. So you can bail out any time. You ever heard of the runaway bride? You can bail at any time. So Numbers ends just as it begins with preparation. The lesson is clear. God's people must trust him, moving ahead by faith if they are to claim his promised land. How far do each one of you want to go with the Lord? How far do you want to go? Don't we want to go the distance? Don't we want to go as far as he wants to take us? So hear me out on this. Don't try to figure it all out. If I'm telling you God's opening up doors for Israel, then he's opening up doors for Israel. Is that the promised land? Of course it is. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't try to figure it all out. I'm going to tell you something. We could build an awesome community here and raise it the next generation, but we could miss God because he has all these opportunities for us. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Think about the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement. Where is it heading? Where is it going? Some people are off their rockers. Some people are teaching false doctrines. Some people are just arguing and fighting with everybody. We need to be creative and productive and think about the kingdom of God and be an example to the world around us. Amen? What an awesome time we're having. I can't believe I get to lead this congregation and share this message with you. I'm not worthy. I never envisioned this. It's not even on my resume that I get to share this word with you. I get to share this with you. What an honor. 
There's so many voices out there, so much noise. My goodness, how many, how many movies has Netflix created? I mean, there's no end to it. If you're just putting in documentaries, I mean, you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and a year's gone by, and I've got a beard, and I didn't even hit Amazon Prime yet. Uh, uh, oh, and I got Hulu, too. Hulu comes with Disney Plus. Oh, Hulu, Hulu. Three years have passed. Didn't watch a single thing. Just scrolled. Scrolled. Start watching. Nah, watch this. You guys are laughing because you're all guilty. Three key words found in the book of Numbers. Service, war, wilderness. Wow. Service, war, and wilderness. We go into the first census of Israel at Mount Sinai, Numbers chapter 1. At the beginning of the journey, there were 603,550 of one generation. So they're counting these men, 20 and up, and they come up with this number, 603,550. So think about it. They're not counting all the children. They're not counting wives. How many of you know that's a big congregation? right? That's a big congregation. So if we just do the math, we could say at least 2 million people. Now, I can't even fathom 2 million people. I said it before and I'll say it again. It's kind of like when you look at the story of Exodus in this particular census, it's like all of Hillsborough County just gets up and we go north like a bunch of snowbirds because there's 21 cities that make up Hillsborough County. So just imagine everybody in Ruskin and Brandon, Valrica, we just go north. Boy, can you imagine what that would look like? It looks like a migration. I was trying to explain that to my son, Michael. That was a pretty good example, because there's at least 1.5 million people in Hillsborough County. You're talking about Ruskin. You're talking about Sefner, Thonona Sassa, right? Why Mama is part of Hillsborough County. Riverview, see, Riverview. I knew, you didn't say Riverview. There's 21 cities. I can't name them all. I don't have a list. How many of you know that, that was, that's cataclysmic? When, when 1.5 million people are on the move. That's a herd. Amen. That's a herd. So I believe within this movement, the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, I believe we're movers and shakers. And the enemy is scared of us. He is freaking out. People are freaking out. They're like, what is going on here? What are you guys doing? Why are you so calm? Because we need to be. But look at the second census of Israel. In the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, Numbers chapter 26 now. At the end of the journey, there were 601,730 of another generation. So literally, they decreased by 1,820. You know, one time, Beit Hill was like 250 people in a bubble, in a pasture. They called it the bubble church. Remember that, the bubble church? You had to make sure the air was on or it would deflate. We would all be like a Macy's Day parade gone bad. You guys know what I'm talking about? Shut the door, shut the door, shut the door! Oh, that was close, man. You guys laugh, but it was true. There was like 250 people in this bubble. I'm serious. So when you look at the decrease, it only makes sense. When I went in the 
uh, Marine Corps Reserves, and I went to boot camp, you know, I, there's a lot, of, a lot of recruits, but man, a lot of them just didn't make it. Why would you go to Marine Corps boot camp and you can't swim? I don't get that. Right? I mean, the Navy's your, your mother. I mean, you know, you better be able to swim. But they didn't care. We'll teach you how to swim. Like a rock. I'm just saying, I, I, I mean, I was amazed. Platoon 2036. I learned a lot from the military while I was in the reserves because you know what was interesting? I learned this. When I went to boot camp, I was just like, just do what you're told. So easy. The drill instructor yells, you, you just do what he tells you to do. Why would people want to do something different? Why would you want to be abused? Why? Just the guy said, to, "These are the, what do you do? I would tell him, what are you doing? He said, don't do that, and you did it, right? Don't eat in your tent. You ate in your tent, and you got caught. Now you're in trouble. Just do what you're told. It's just like the Bible or God. Just do what you're told. So if you don't like it, take it up with him. He told me to do this. He showed it to me. Amen? That's all. We're not trying to prove anybody wrong. We're just trying to live out our own faith. Live out your own faith. Don't do anything here unless you want to do it. You don't have to do anything here. You do it because you want to do it. Amen? You want to stand up and raise your hands? Raise your hands. You want to sing along? Sing along. You want to wear ZZs? Wear ZZs. You want to wear a keeper? Wear a keeper. Amen? You want to give me an offering of double stuffed Oreos? I'll take it. Don't let my kids see it. I'm telling you, I've got all kinds of offerings from... Pastor Nick, these are, my, these are my first fruits offerings. I'm telling you, people have given me fruit and stuff off the trees and different things, and somebody even gave me a big thing of toilet paper. I said, thank you. God bless you. God bless you, you know. My wife's like, what are you doing? I said, look at this, honey. This is two-ply. Don't squeeze the charm, and I'm squeezing it. I got, you know, and, and I think about the example in, in here with the five daughters from Manasseh. I'm getting ready to have my fifth daughter. We need toilet paper, folks. That's my job. Make sure the full arsenal of two-ply in every bathroom stocked up. Two steps away. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Isn't that true? Not everyone wants to go on the journey. Numbers chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Oh, and by the way, just because they're not going on the journey doesn't mean that they're in the, in the wrong some people are seasonal, you know. Some people need a new chapter. Some people have been come through Beit Tehillah and blessed us and moved on to another chapter. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But not everyone wants to go on the journey. I say Beit Tehillah Israel, and some of you are like, I don't get it. It's okay. It's all right. I can only promote and teach and share what God has put on my heart to teach and share. And it's called an opportunity. Amen. It's a simple opportunity. That's all it is, okay? And it really keeps us fresh and keeps us going, amen? It's interesting, like, the church will send and have missionaries and stuff, but you don't want to do that in Israel. Like, it's different. I mean, you've got Christians in other countries. Why can't you be in Israel? The encampment of tribes. Here they are. To the west, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh. To the north, Asher, Dan, Naphtali. To the east, Zebulun, Judah, and Issachar, and to the south, Simeon, Reuben, and Gad. It's interesting that Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh are camped out to the west, the west side. Do you guys see that? 
And it says that you will be, come back trembling from what? From the West. There's prophecies about coming back from the West. So let's look at this model of the tabernacle of Moses out there in Israel. Boy, that's a really neat place. You know, when you get there and you see this model, you're like, this place wasn't very big. It's not that big. You know, you think it's just simple. It's quaint. And that's the focal point. Then you're camped all the way around it, see? That's why God needs to be the center of your life. Yeshua is the root of the olive tree. You can't have Hebrew roots without the root, without Yeshua, okay? Otherwise, you just have a movement or a fad or something. It's about a person. It's about a teacher, not the teaching. We worship the teacher, not the teaching. So here we have an example of this out there in Israel that you can go. I think it's uh, Timnah. Isn't it in Timnah? Timnah. You know Tim. Timnah. Timnah and Tikva. So here we go. So because of their unbelief, it was easier to get Israel out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of the Israelites. So Egypt always represents the world. You always go down to Egypt and you do what? You go up to Jerusalem. So the book of Numbers teaches that the children of Israel need to learn patience. The book of Numbers teaches that the children of Israel need to learn patience. So speech is very important in the wilderness. How many, there's a lot of speech going on in the culture right now. People are babbling about a lot of things, are they not? That's why they call it babble. Babbling. So, Israel showed their unbelief by what they said. Numbers chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. So, Israel showed their unbelief by what they said. Let's read this together. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. So they're speaking against Moses, but God is leading them. Amen. Moses didn't have the itinerary. He led the people. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So he led the people. So I would say that the cloud is moving to Israel, folks. It really is. And so it's a paradigm shift for all of us to think, man, I wasn't really focused on Jerusalem and the Temple Mount in Israel, but I'm going to really pay much more attention now. And I'm going I'm to focus on that. So I want to share a truth with you. If you get anything out of this teaching, this is the best part. So God teaches us a principle through the story of creation on the fourth day. So God teaches us a principle through the story of creation on the fourth day. And this is the principle. You can write this down. If you want the PowerPoint, contact Kathy. She will send it to you, and you'll have the book of Numbers, and then you can get your friends to study with you and, and go over the outline together. But let's check out on the fourth day of creation. We have four divine acts. This is your life right here, folks. So when you're speaking negative, you're not going anywhere. Everybody I know that speaks negative, they don't have a lot of friends, and you don't want to hang around them. Okay? People that are negative aren't going anywhere. They're stuck. 
So when I say things like abate to heal Israel, I'm speaking positive, life, opportunity. I'm not trying to figure it out. Then I'm going to speak it. No, he's already put it in my heart. So God said, so a divine permission and purpose stated, Genesis 1.14. So a divine permission and purpose stated. So God said, then God made. It's a divine regulation of the solar system, Genesis 1.16. Then he set, divine setting, Genesis 1.17. Write this down, put it in your Bible, get a little sticky note, put some double tape on it. This will fix your life. Then God saw, which was divine inspection and satisfaction, Genesis 1.18. What an incredible example that we all have from our Father. How many of you know that there's a lot of speech out there? I talk way too much and I get in trouble, and my in-laws tell me that. Nick, you need to settle down. Just sit down. Just sit down and be quiet. You're over the top. I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm speaking for my wife, too, because she's not here, and she doesn't have a lot of words. But how many of you know you speak a lot of words, you get in trouble? I'm just saying, I, I'm guilty of this. Brian's over there. Yeah, brother, preach it. So God said he made, he said, and he saw. If you get this revelation, your life can change right now. Your life will change right now. So these things that I want to speak for all of us and and for the goodness of God, it's going to bring goodness to us. When I say bless the Jewish people, respect Judaism, I'm speaking life and positive things. Why? Because it's going to get us to a positive place. So God said, made, set, and saw. So we need to take the principles of God and apply them to our life. Here's Here's what it is. God said, made, set, and saw. How many of you know that there's a lot of speech going on, but there's not a lot of creativity in the act itself? Okay? We can talk about we need to be united and have unity, but what are we doing to create that? So here are three examples of God said, made, set, and saw. The first example is the congregation of Beit Tehila. Amen. This couple had two daughters, and they said, you know what? They're reading the Bible, and, and, and they said, and they said, we need to be doing these things, the Sabbath and, and meeting and, and the feast days. And, oh, look, the dances. We need to restore the dance. And so they said these things. They said it to themselves. And they're like, well, I I guess we need to make the living room. They made something. They made the living room. And then they what? They set it up. And then they saw it. Because there's like a dozen people now. Hey, I heard what you said. And you're going to you're going to meet where? In the living room. You're going to set this up. Just move some chairs out a little bit here. And we're going to have church. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. And they saw it. You know why they saw it? Because I'm I'm in the same living room right now. I'm seeing it every day. Come on, somebody. Some of you need this word. You got to change what you're speaking. How about the restoration of the Tabernacle of David conference? This same couple's like, man, we need to teach the Hebrews and the Christian faith in the summertime. We'll have a summer conference because the spring feasts have already been fulfilled and they're done, and we'll gather these people and we'll be ready to get everybody ready because Jesus is going to fulfill those fall feasts. They said it from the living room. But you know you can't have a conference in a living room. It'd be a small one. So they had to get a hotel, so they... They had, something had to be made, like props and gowns and dresses for dances and, 
and, and all the things, you know, we, we got some stuff from Bell Shoals when we were doing the covenants one year, and we had these big mountains on wheels. Do you guys remember that? I mean, that was awesome, man. The, Moses was getting up on the rocks. Hopefully the wheels were locked down. You know, whoa, there goes Moses. But anyway, there's Moses going up the mountain, and there's Moses coming down the mountain, you know what I'm saying? So, so and then everything had to be set up. But then we saw it, didn't we? It's on DVD. It was said, it was made, it was set, and we saw it. The budget was like ten dollars or $12,000 to put this thing on for just four days. The, most of the cost was media, lights, and sound, but, but about $12,000 to put this thing on. And people would pay a registration fee and get the rooms, and then we would cover costs. But how many of you remember that? But we, we, we made it. We did it for 10 years, from 2001 to 2010. Do you see where it was said, made, set, and saw? Two out of three ain't bad, but I'm going for the third one. What about the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel? Ephraim and Judah. I'm speaking it. I've been speaking this since 1995. Remember when I said the Jews are coming? God says the Jewish people from Israel are going to come to our church. And some people are like, what? Guess what? There's a whole bunch of them now, isn't it? It's not just one token Jew. It's a bunch of Jews from Israel. Come on, somebody. Come on. We said it. We made it. And God created me to a, a place to live just two blocks because they're not going to get in a car and they're not going to drive. So Pastor Nick's walking down the road with Judah. And you guys are so kind to lay on the horn and let us know that you saw me walking with Judah. He's like, what was that? That's just a happy congregate that you're here. You and I are walking. They saw you and I, and they're happy, and they're just tooting their own horn. You see how quick all this happens? But yet in our culture, they're tearing down statues and protesting and doing stupid, ignorant stuff. Like that's going to fix anything. I think, I think a statue fell on somebody. That's at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, Christopher Columbus! So we need to use the same model to raise up the next generation, amen? There's hope for our next generation. I'm seeing it. So speech is probably the most important thing that I want to really encourage you and change your speech. This is something I really have to work on. So confession or what you say will allow you to see what you said. That's deep, isn't it? Let's pull that up. Confession or what you say will allow you to see what you said. So I've been saying we believe in reconciliation of what? Jews and Gentiles. How many of you believe in that? The reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles with mutual respect. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking this. Why? Because we're doing it. Well, I don't really want anything to do with that. Because I can't even get along with Italians. Now you want me to hang out with a bunch of Jews. What's the coolest thing but to hang out with the Jewish people? It's the coolest thing, right? I mean, think about it. Who's going to come alongside the Jewish people in the times in which we live and, and support them and believe in them? Who, who's it going to be? It's going to be us. It's going to be us. They're waiting for us to do something. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. A lot of bad speech in the book of Numbers, especially when it comes from, you know, the community. Watch what you say, because with the tongue, you can do a lot of damage. Let me read that again. Watch what you say, because with the tongue, you can do a lot of damage. A lot of you had stuff spoken over you that you're still struggling with today. Siblings spoke over you. Parents spoke over you. Says you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be anything. And you believe that, and you're sitting there right now, and you're being just punished in your mind for that. That's a lie that you have to uncover. Amen? That's a lie. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Speak life, not death. Amen? That's why the word death is first, because that's what we normally do. Let's pull this up. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. The tongue can no man tame. Now, I don't want to take anything out of context, and I don't want to beat up any patriarch or matriarch in the Bible or any great example of anybody in the Bible, but how many of you know that Jacob said to Laban, Laban, whoever you find these household items, let them die. Let them die. And what happened? Rachel dies giving birth to Benjamin, Benjamin. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's just like the, the one judge that says, whatever comes out of my house, I offer to the Lord. It was his daughter. He didn't sacrifice his daughter, but his vow forced her not to be married and have children. If you go back and read it in context, it wasn't about an animal sacrifice or a human sacrifice. How many of you know what the story I'm talking about? And she went to dance with the maidens and hang out with them one last time before she would be celibate because her dad made a vow. Think about the parents of Samson. He was forced by his parents to take the Nazarite vow because they had taken it, and they put the Nazarite vow on him, and look what happened to him. He broke the Nazarite vow. He violated the three things that even make up the Nazarite vow. That's why it's important that we all have free will. So let's check this out. The tongue can no man tame. Twelve things about the tongue. We're going to go quickly here. Uh, this is based on the Dakes Annotated Reference Bible. I thought this was really good. A little member. It's little. It boasts great things. It's a fire. It's a world of iniquity. That's the first four. Number five, it defiles the whole body. Sets a fire the course of nature. It is untamable. It is an unruly evil. The last four. Full of deadly poison, used to bless God and curse man, capable of good conversation, capable of bitter strife. capable of bitter strife. So those are the 12 things about the tongue. And we could all work on it, amen? 
I literally thought about just putting a piece of tape on my mouth when I got up in the morning. Not duct tape, because that stuff could hurt you probably. Maybe masking, something, painter's tape or something. And just send a message like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or maybe you're going to go into a meeting and it might be a little hostile. Just put that tape on your mouth. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. You guys laugh. You got to do what you got to do, folks. You got to do what you got to do. So what you say comes towards you. What you say comes towards you. Think about all the things I've said in here. It's coming towards us, isn't it? It is. Amen? You had Tommy Waller here from High Yovel, right down from Mount Gerizim in Missouri, coming to here to preach to you the gospel 2.0 about the Temple Mount, the favor Zion, and here he comes down from the Mount of Blessing to preach to us that message. Why? Because it was for us. And if you look at Mount Gerizim on a map, when Joshua was giving out the inheritance to all the tribes, it's actually the territory of Ephraim. What? What? Let me share something with all of you. I'm inspired to share this message to everyone and anyone. God said, don't hold back. I'm at the table with my pastor friends. And, and we're talking about all kinds of cool stuff. We're just talking about all kinds of neat stuff. And Pastor Don goes out the door, and he sees the mezuzah in the dining hall doorway. He goes, you know, he goes, I got to get me one of those. I said, well, let's go right now to the marketplace. Come on. And so he got a mezuzah yesterday to put in his home. Why? Because we are witnesses. We're a light. People are going to be drawn to us. They're going to, they're going to be drawn to you because you're going to have common sense and a good walk, and they're going to trust you, and they're going to believe in you, and you're going to be able to speak into them life and good instructions. Amen. I got goosebumps. What you hear, you repeat. What you write down comes to pass. Right? Write down, I want to lose 20 pounds. Put it on the fridge. Put a lock on the fridge. I would weigh so much more if I didn't have children. I would, I'd probably be like a Macy's Day float. I would. But my kids take all my food, and so I got to scrounge and do the best I can. But I'm telling you, if I, if I didn't have kids, I would be really, really overweight. I would. So what you write down comes to pass. So, so this is, these are principles. So write down, I want to be debt-free. Write it down. And then God will start to move on your behalf. It, it's not like some miracle. I mean, you got to act it out. But this is what you need to do, amen? So when I say, you know, we're, we're going to have a Beit Israel, I spoke that, you know, it's in the works. It's in the works right now. It's out there. Listen, if the Baha'i faith can have their headquarters in Israel, if the British can control the garden tomb, if you've got Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox at the Holy Sepulchre, why can't we have something? Why can't we be over there? No, really. Oh, it's not really for us. Good, because I'm taking your space. You have to rethink the promises of God, everybody, in eschatology. Listen, we get the good news in the last days. It's not doom and gloom. It's not bad. It's all good for us. And he's drawing us to him. But there's an opportunity. But yes, there's an adversary at the door. But he's promising us all these things. How could you be fearful or not want to go towards them when he's saying, come and get them, children? All the falafel you want, come and get it. Shawarma, you love shawarma, come. 
that's, that's, my thinking has totally changed. I'm like, why would God promise something only to have fear? Like I'm a mouse and there's cheese. But what's that wire? <laughs> that's not what God's doing. I'm going to get you in Israel. <laughs> and then I'm going to put you through the tribulation. And I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> that's, that's sick. He's wooing us to give us something good. He's wooing us because he's got an awesome plan for us. I mean, he does. I have no fear. I've had the opportunity to go to Israel seven times because that's all he allowed me. But I'm telling you, when he calls you to the land, you know he calls you to the land. He woos you, and then you go. Carolyn likes to brag. She'll go two, three times a year. Makes me sick. You laugh. Well, Pastor Nick, is this even relevant for the modern-day church today? You better believe it. You better write this stuff down because it's going to save you a lot of grief, and it's going to get you to the promised land, which is where God wants to bring you. Ultimately, he wants to bring you to the promised land, to all that he has for you. Check out the five tests that Israel will face in the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. I love how the Apostle Paul starts off with this letter and everything, but in this particular chapter, he says, Our fathers, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's going to the house of Joseph. He's trying to pull out a people for his name's sake. So lusting after evil things. Boy, are we doing that today? Yeah. Do we have idolatry? What is idolatry? Whatever you give your strength to, whatever you get your strength from. Amen? See, that's why you should drink your coffee black like Ryan, because the man is free. I'm under idolatry. I got to have sugar in the raw, and I got to have half and half, folks. Or it's, it's a done deal. I'm not going to do it. Ryan's drinking black coffee like, still in bondage. There's no sugar. Have you ever got coffee ready and there's no half and half? I'm done. I walk away. Because I am full of idolatry. I don't even think about Ryan. I'll drink it just like Ryan. No. You just got to keep drinking it. You'll get used to it. I can't get over that. Just keep drinking. You'll get used to it. Then you won't even, you won't even do sugar. And I'm like, no, I like the sugar in half and half. I like it. Don't do fornication. It's where we get the Greek word porneo or pornography. See how hard it is in the culture and the way we live and the things that are going on around us? You see how hard it is? Don't tempt the Lord or try the Lord. Number five, murmuring. Boy, you guys were doing good until you got to number five. Isn't that, that's what I did. I was like looking at this thinking, I'm doing pretty good, man. And then that murmuring came up like, ugh, complaining and grumbling. All I got to do is get all my family in the white van. Just get them all in the van and tell them this is where we're going to eat. Oh, it's a coup. Swords come out, right? Arrows. I mean, you know, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Have you ever done that? You ever just been in a group? You're going to go out to eat? I'm like, man, just order pizza. It's over. Just call, just order pizza. Order pizza. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, this is the amplified version. Look what Paul says here in the amp. You got to amp it up here. Now, these things befell them by way of a figure as an example and warning to us. They were written to admonish and fit us for right action by good instruction, we in whose days the ages have reached their climax, their consummation, and concluding period. Let me paraphrase this for you. What happened then is happening today to Israel. 
We're all being tested. Now, this particular word in samples is the Greek word tupos, and it means a stamp or scar, a model for imitation or instance for warning. Because this is what it actually says in the King James Version. Now, all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. A warning, a warning, amen? Those five things, lusting after evil things, idolatry, fornication, tempting the Lord or try the Lord, and then, of course, murmuring or complaining and grumbling. It's kind of like you have a job, and, and this is an example of testing the Lord. You, you discover Shabbat, and then you just quit your job, and then you don't provide for your family. That's testing the Lord. Because in order to get off for Shabbat, you've got to have things in motion and work things out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You discover something, you're just going to jump on it. God's going to work through these things, see? Just remember that. He's going to work through those things. So we're halfway there. We're in the book of Numbers. Let's check out preparation for the journey is chapters 1 to 9. It's at Sinai, and this takes place within a few weeks. The book of Numbers is broken up into three parts. There are three sections, and you're going to find this outstanding. I, wish, I don't know why nobody else teaches this, but this is so important that you understand. This is the preparation for the journey. Now, we have the second part, which is the journey itself. It's chapters 10 through uh, chapter 21 and verse 35. This is to Moab. This takes place in about 39 years. A lot more time, and it's the journey. Amen? So let's develop this particular part of the journey, some stories found, uh, some, some interesting uh, circumstances here. Let's look at Moses' two siblings, Miriam and Aaron, come against him. And, of course, Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. So now we're in the journey. It's chapter 12, and now, of course, Miriam and Aaron is going to come against him. Uh, I would call this sibling rivalry in family squabbles. Does anybody have that? Okay, they're going to be here next week. So we can see where, where things develop and things happen here, and this is part of the journey. Amen. Let's continue on because now we're going to have an evil report from the 10 spies. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 33. We're in that 39-year journey here, and an evil report from the 10 spies. Let's look at this evil report in Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. Let's start with that. Let's read it. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Amen. Continuing on. Numbers 14, verses 33 through 37. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Stay right there. My breach of promise. You will know my breach of promise, which is what? Altering of my purpose. So let me give you guys an example of how you're beguiled or, or tricked. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. When I say, like, we're going to have a bait to heal Israel, that's God. It's not me. Don't sit here and say, well, well, this got plans to go to Israel. No, God has plans. The first thing he promised Abraham was land. And if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham. 
You're a spirit, a soul, and a body. Come on, somebody. We can't alter God's purpose. When I say the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel, that is his purpose. You can't argue over that. I've had somebody tell me, how could you leave a, lead a Messianic congregation when you're not even Jewish? That's what they say to me. I go, well, why don't you come sit on the front row with me and you can help me. But this is what we're dealing with. How could you be Israel? You're not even Jewish. It's because I'm following God's purpose. I know the promises. I'm grafted in. I'm a wild branch. And if you hang out long enough, you're going to get it. That little wild branch is going to put a whooping on you. It's going to go wild. Breach of promise, altering of my purpose. All I can do is, is share what the Father's showing me through his promises and through his word and offer it to you. This is all I can do. I know some of you aren't going to take it. I know some of you don't believe it, but it's okay because I did my job. Don't shoot the messenger. I don't want to have to put chicken wire up here because you're throwing stuff at me. Get him out of here. I believe in the promises of God. It's a divine assurance of good. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14, verses 33 through 37. I, the Lord, have said I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. Keep reading. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land, they died by the coronavirus before the Lord. Pick your plague, whatever you want to call it. Spanish flu, whatever you want to call it. They died of a plague. You know, the numbers would have been much better at Baal Peor, but remember 24,000 people died from a plague. Over half a million people have died from the coronavirus worldwide. Remember what I taught. If you haven't listened to it or watched it, you need to see it. After a plague, there is great opportunity. It's not doom and gloom and fear, okay? They died of a plague. Now, Moses couldn't stop them. These 10 guys got into the camp, and it just spread like wildfire. Didn't even have emails, texting, or nothing. It spread like wildfire, the evil report. Oh, no, we can't take this land. It's impossible. God didn't send you into the promised land to see if you could take it or not. So what? There's, there's terrorists, and there's this in the land. So what? So what? Wait, they're surrounded by enemies. So What? Amen? Don't tell me that God is not going to give us what he promised. I want everything he has for me. I want it personally. I want it personally. I was in a parade holding a banner about it, Friam and Judah, two sticks becoming one. And the Orthodox were up on the, the bridge there, and they're looking at the sign, reading it in Hebrew, and there's English, and they're going, Ephraim, Ephraim. This was the late 90s, folks. I've been waiting a long time for this, and now it's going down. It's going down. It's going down, man. The calls are coming in now. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verses 15 through 19. I just want to read verse 19 about unbelief. Let's read this together. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And what is this Greek word? It means disbelief or unfaithfulness. Let me give you an example at Beit Tehila. This is what I see all the time. I'm going on 18 years this November. We're going to have a party. This is what I've seen. A lot of people leave because they don't believe what we're saying and doing. They don't believe in what we believe. They just leave. And then there's those that come. Maybe they believe like we believe, but they're unfaithful and they walk away. Like they're going to do it on their own. Do it yourself. Really? God created 12 tribes, not one. 12 tribes. There's wild branches and there's natural branches. And you better learn how to get along. Amen? You better learn how to get along. So unfaithfulness is not good. If you can't show up for child care or when you're supposed to serve, you are not going in the land of Israel. You're not going to get the promises of God. You will not be the bride. The bride is faithful. Mark my words. She's not skittish. She's not hit or miss. She's solid. She's solid. Thank you. Come on, somebody. Bring on the rain. Now, we're still in this journey, right? So what's going on here? Now we have Korah's rebellion. Moses has cousins. Number 16, verses 1 through 40. So now we have Korah's rebellion. Let's look at number 16, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this. Now, Korah, the son of Issar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Keep reading. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? So now we're going to have a situation after the evil spies. Now we're having this problem, aren't we? Now Korah comes along, 250 princes, and some from Reuben. Amen? The tribe of Reuben. I mean, what, I mean, when you think about the tribe of Reuben, what, what good came out of Reuben? Do you guys know? A sandwich. Seriously, I love a good Reuben. Come on. Help me out here. Come on. I love a good Reuben. So what I'm trying to share with you is that before an incredible supernatural move of God or before God really gives us these promises and they manifest, you see the fruition of it, notice something. There's always those that will come against leadership. Even in the earth today, people coming against the government, anarchists. How many know what I'm talking about right now? It's a sign that the promises of God are right around the corner. Because now these people are showing their true colors. They're showing who they are. And then God blesses us, his children, because we are obedient. That's what we get. That's a good word. I know. I'm telling you, it's a good word. I can't afford to give a bad word because i got to give a good word. You know why? Because I'm married and got kids. So we see what happened to Korah. Thank God the children were spared. Amen. You can find them in the Psalms. Korah's children wrote Psalms. I think it's Psalm 42 to 49. We're doing good. You guys are doing so good. Just a little reminder for some of you. I know this is kind of sad, 
but Sweet Tomatoes is not in business anymore. I'm sorry. I know. It hurts. It hurts. Are you guys ready for the third part of the book of Numbers? The last and... Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready, Hannah? You're ready, aren't you? Okay. At the gate to the land, chapters 22 to 36, you're at Moab. This takes place within a few months. It's interesting, we don't have time to get into it, but how many of they went into the promised land at the beginning of the year, the biblical year? How many of you know what I'm talking about? At the time of Passover, remember that? And the manna ceased because they're going to live off the land. So, so think about the timing of this all. It's very interesting. So we're going to break this down. Let's look at some of these storylines here. What's going on here? Well, we have Balak sends for Balaam. We have Balaam meets the angel of the Lord. Balaam arrives and blesses Israel. Then we have the Moabite women seduce Israel, all right there, Numbers chapter 22 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 25 and verse 18. Does everybody see this? So you guys got to think of a template here, okay? If God allowed Balaam, the false prophet, to speak over Israel, he let him speak only blessings. That's why we must speak only blessings over Israel and the Jewish people. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. And there's a lot of people that support BDS or their main players. They can't even go in the land of Israel. They're blacklisted. And I think it's great. Who wants to be put on a list that you hate Jews and you don't love Jewish people and you don't love Israel? How would you like to be on that list? I'm talking about God's list. I don't want to be on that list. So the two things that are most prevalent in our culture today is the occult and sexual immorality. I'm gonna keep hammering this home, man. I'm gonna keep hammering it home because we need it because we're being, we're being duped. We're being seduced, we're being duped, and we gotta come to that place where, man, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta clean some stuff up here. In Numbers chapter 22, verses six and seven, we're gonna have the occult first. Notice the people didn't see Balaam's. Let's read it. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blesseth is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Look what happens here. Continuing on. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of what? Divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. Does everybody see that? In Joshua 13, 22, I want to read this one verse. I thought it was kind of interesting in Joshua. 13, 22. It actually describes him a little better. Joshua 13, 22. Balaam, also the son of Beor, the soothsayer, which is the diviner, did the children of Israel slay with the sword among them that were slain by them? He died by the sword. Okay? Now, Numbers chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. Now we see the occult with Balaam and the divination. Now we're going to see sexual immorality. Let's read it. And Israel abode in Sheatim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people into the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. Does everybody see that? Would you say that our culture 
is nasty. They've redefined marriage. I mean, it's, it's bad, folks. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you go back in history, there's a lot of bad things that took place in, in regards to sexual immorality and stuff. But what I'm saying to you, would you agree that this culture is pretty bad? And we, we need to understand that and, and teach purity, teach cleanliness. But if you look at this, it's interesting because here you have sexual immorality and then idolatry, which is the reverse of the golden calf incident. It was idolatry and then sexual immorality. But here you have the opposite at Baal Peor. And so we have this judgment pronounced in Numbers 25, verses 4 and 9. Leaders and 24,000 people died by a plague. God took out leadership that were responsible for allowing that and, and let that happen. And he, and he, and he, and he took 24,000 people that could have really bumped up the numbers for that census. How many of you know that? They literally would have gained, listen, they would have gained people had they not done the Baal Peor incident. The numbers wouldn't have been less, they would have been more. But this is what happens. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. That's why Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See? Let's continue on here. Numbers chapter 25, verses 16 through 18. Now we're going to have some retribution. Now we're going to have a fight. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. So there's three key words found here. The word vex, wiles, and beguiled. This is what's happening in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement. People are being vexed, beguiled, and there's wiles. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to have to pray about this because it's like a plague on social media, on YouTube. It's sick. This word vex means, it's the, it's the Hebrew word zarar. It means to cramp adversary or besiege, distress, become an enemy. You're going to have to turn the tables on the enemy. So when he wants you to get caught up in sexual immorality and pornography, you're going to have to reverse the role here and say, no, I'm going for purity. I'm going for holiness. You know, I'm going for prayer. I'm going for mikvahs. You know what I'm saying? And you've you got to turn the tables on him. Because see, the Midianite, these women, the, the, the leaders sent their, their, their own daughters in there. They prostituted them. Just like in our culture today, these women that are, that are just being prostitutes and, and the families are wealthy and well-known. That's sick. I got five daughters. I don't know what father would do that. You're a sick man. You're sick. Now, that word vex is there. Now, we also have this word wiles. What does it mean? It means deceit. It's the Hebrew word nakal. And then the next word is beguiled. It's nakal, to defraud, act treacherously, conspire, or deceive. There's a lot of deception out there. People are, 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 are trying to deceive others. There's a lot of deception. So we're moving on here. We're almost done. You guys are going to graduate from Numbers University. That's right, NU. Going to get you an NU shirt. Numbers University. Numbers don't lie. <laughs> it's a numbers game. <laughs> it is. We go into the second census. The law of inheritance. Joshua named to succeed Moses and the laws for offerings. I love this. Every time Israel messes up, even if you go back to the golden calf incident, God lays it all out. He cleans house. 
he vacuums, he does the windows, and he says, okay, let's get back to where we were. Let's talk about offerings. Go back and look. You'll see in the golden calf incident and this incident, he's like, okay, let's get back to where we were. You know, I told my kids last night, I was so thankful because they were reading about all these offerings during the feast days and things. I said, come on, kids, think about it. You, you can come into this church and worship Jesus and give the best sacrifice you can give him. You don't have to have an animal. You don't have to steal Ryan's goats. You just come in here and you say, I'm going to bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord because I don't have to drag these animals. Listen, there wouldn't be any animals in any of these areas. We would have had to take them all in. Every squirrel, every blue jay, there would be no, there'd be no more sacrifices. The animals would go into the Federal Witness Protection Program or something. But think about it. You don't have to have an animal sacrifice. That's why you bring a sacrifice of praise. You can't just sit there like a bump on a log, man. What are you doing? You can't do that. you got to say, I can worship God, and I don't have to bring an animal. Amen? you got to learn this. you got to get this in your spirit. This isn't just the service. You're bringing your sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. My mother-in-law taught me to worship. She suckered me into the dance and everything. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm like, I ain't dancing. And, and she knew I could dance. She said, well, here, then do this flag too. I'm like, well, then do a flag too. But I learned how to worship God in a way that I hadn't experienced it. I thought playing the guitar was cool, you know. Though none will follow. Till. She's like, hey, put, put that down, Nick. Come over here. Just, just, just follow me. Come on. You know, you know. I'm like, What? And she says, I'm telling you, it's so funny. And then she said one time, she said something about, they said something like, okay, those mimes are good. Those, we're going to do flying mimes. I'm like, what are we doing? We're going to do, we're going to fly mimes? Flying mimes? Have you seen flying mimes? They're dangerous, folks. We're going to have to push these chairs back. But I experienced God in a new and fresh way. Right? A flag, dancing. It's all being restored. Come on, somebody. We have offerings at the annual assemblies. Let's keep this list going here. We're finishing up here. You're going to graduate. You're out of here. Women's vows, war against Midian, the division of the spoils. It's all right here. Amen. We're finishing up. We're finishing up. Continue on. Let's go. Three tribes settled east of the Jordan. Israel's wilderness itinerary. The 42 encampments, amen? Then we have instructions for taking over Canaan. You know, we never discovered Judea and Samaria. We never actually went there until 2015. That's when God was a game changer. God says, you're changing tour companies. You're going to go to Judea and Samaria now. You're going to see the whole land, amen? And it was a game changer for us because God created that. See, most people don't even realize that. They go, oh, I've been to Israel, but you haven't been to the heart of Israel. See, that's the biggest lie we've been fed. Even the tour companies are like, you know, you just go to these certain spots, but, oh, we don't want to go on the West Bank. Those, those are the best places. That's where Jesus did all of his miracles and stuff. The woman at the well that was married five times and had a live-in boyfriend, that was the heart of Israel. Continuing on here, we're almost done. Cities for Levites, the cities of refuge, further instructions on inheritance. Okay. 
So, so I'm just laying this out in closing here. Just think about a Beit Tehillah Israel that you can go over to Israel any time of the year and we'll have a place over there and you could be a part of Harbaka, part of Hayovel, and you actually get to be like a part of the land and everything. How many of you would love that? Yes. You could go over there. Because right now we get like three-month visas. I'm just saying, you got to go on vacation somewhere. I'm not going on a cruise. I can assure you that. I was really interested in going on a cruise until a coronavirus hit. But even the cruise ships had viruses before coronavirus. What was that all about? I don't know. So I want to encourage you, be a dreamer. My dad said, you take away a man's dreams, he has nothing. I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. Three stages. This is it. This is the template. Egypt represents the world. Did God pull you out of the world? He sure did. Number two, what's the wilderness? It's the walk that we're doing now. We're doing the walk with the Lord. It's the walk. What's the third thing? It's the promised land. But what is the promised land? It's the reward. Amen? And my example is Joshua, who was an Ephraimite. Joshua was in Egypt. He was in the wilderness, and he went into the promised land. So let me just encourage you, amen? Let me encourage you. We've got to come out of this deluding spirit. We have to rethink eschatology. We have to read our Bibles and be encouraged because the enemy wants us to cower and hide and be fearful and not attain to what God has for us. I've talked with quite a few Christians, and I've, and I've discovered something here. There's a lot of Christians that believe, you know, in, a, in another temple, in the Temple Mount. There's a lot of Christians. We should be among those that should support the Jewish people in their endeavor to build something on that Temple Mount. We should believe in that. The Bible says that the Antichrist is going to sit in it and all these other things. But let me tell you something. And you know what? The Jews accept us. They say, oh, look, the Christians believe that we should have a temple. And you work together. Why? Because it brings the Messiah back. Isn't that good news? It brings the Messiah back. Let the Jews do Judaism. Let them practice their faith. Let them do. They serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll tell you what threw me off, man. People think that Paul was schizophrenic about the Torah. He didn't keep it. He kept it. He didn't keep it. He kept it. No, Paul taught Torah. He kept it. But I want to share this one verse that's very interesting. It says right here, and this is all about the grafting in process, but this, this particular scripture was like, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on. And I would actually tell this to the Jewish people. Romans 11, 28, Paul says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. See, we have the gospel. We believe in Jesus Christ. They're blinded to Jesus as the Messiah. But Paul is saying that the Father loves them. But because of this gospel thing, there's friction. <laughs> Is that a good word? Doesn't it make sense? Listen, if you practice your faith and you respect Jewish people and, Judah, and, you, and you practice your you're going to win in the end. You're going to win. You want to be a winner. So Hosea 2.14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. Boy, didn't God isolate all of us? got me out by the pool and just download stuff. I mean, I, I learned more in the last five months than I had in five years probably. The stuff he filled me with, it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's excellent. 
So here's that picture of that tabernacle. It's not that big, amen? And just a little reminder, if you study prophecy or study scriptures, God is gonna restore the fallen booth of David, not this. What are you saying? I'll just leave it at this. The ark was out where everyone could come around it. God's throne, his, his purpose. And, and the, the, the fallen booth of David is the one where the Gentiles, all of us get to come around and be around the throne of God. Father, thank you for this word. It's going to come back a hundredfold. We bind the enemy from snatching this word, Father. Thank you for placing it in our hearts and bring it to fruition. Thank you for everyone here, Father, and those watching the live stream. Father, you have so many good things for them. We bind the enemy. We bind the enemy from our minds. We take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And Father, we cast down vain imaginations. And Father, for those that are in here listening to those voices, we command them to go. For you will speak to us. We will hear your voice and we will obey. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed.